Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village. He worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30, and then for three years, he was an itinerant teacher. He never wrote a book, he never held an office, he never owned a home, he never had a family, he never went to college, he never traveled except in his infancy more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompanies greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While he was still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemy. He would throw mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. His executioners gambled with the only piece of property he had on earth, his seamless robe. When he was dead, he was taken down from the cross and laid in a borrowed grave through the courtesy of a friend. Twenty wide centuries have come and gone and today, he is the centerpiece of the human race. All the navies that ever were built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has this one solitary life. morning simply called Jesus and as this slide says how do we respond to the most important person in history um, as that video is showing um, just some of the the influence and the effect that the person of Jesus um, has had on um, our, our world regardless of whether you are a believer or not and just as a simple example is today we are meeting on the 3rd of April 2022, not because the world is only 2,022 years old. We divide the whole of history into what happened before Jesus was born and what has happened since Jesus is born. That's just one example of the influence that Jesus has had um, on the world. As I said, today um, I'm going to start this series by looking um, at um, listening to Jesus um, Jane, can I have the next slide? Um, and next week, um, Palm Sunday, I'm also going to be looking at rejoicing in Jesus. And then on Good Friday, um, Mark is going to be preaching on gazing at Jesus. And then Easter Sunday, he is going to be preaching on uh, living like Jesus. And then our series concludes 
um, on the 24th with Jason is going to be looking at the theme of walking with Jesus. So this, this year our focus as we come up to Easter is looking at Jesus, understanding who Jesus is, and understanding the impact that Jesus can and should have on our lives uh, in a very personal and individual way. So let's start this morning with this theme of listening to Jesus. And uh, I want us to start with uh, reading um, part of Luke's gospel. Um, all of the, the passages in this series are based on Luke's gospel. This morning our reading is um, Luke chapter 18. Uh, I'm going to read verses um, 18 to, to 30. It'll be up on the screen, but I'll give you a wee second if you want to um, have your, your Bibles open so that you can follow it. So Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 30. So a ruler came to Jesus and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. I've kept all of these from my youth, he said. When Jesus heard this, he told him, you still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. After he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. Jesus said, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, then who can be saved? He replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Then Peter said, look, we have left what we had and followed you. So he said to them, I truly I tell you, there is no one who has left a house, wife, or brothers, or sisters, parents or children because of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more at this time and eternal life in the age to come. Amen. wonder if you have ever been in that embarrassing situation where somebody is talking to you and then they stop and you realize they've just asked you a question and you've not been listening. So you think, well, what do you do? You try and bluff your way out of it and say, maybe. And hope you've given the right answer. Or do you have put your hand up and confess, sorry, I wasn't listening, do you mind repeating the question? Or maybe you've been on the opposite end of that. Maybe you've been the one speaking to somebody and you suddenly realize the lights are on but nobody's at home and they're not listening to you. Lorraine's sitting there thinking, this sounds more like a description of our marriage rather than an introduction to a sermon. In this passage this morning, this, this sermon is called Listening to Jesus because in this passage, people are either just not actually listening 
um, to Jesus when he speaks, or they don't understand what Jesus is saying when he speaks. Who tries to put a camel through the eye of a needle? Or they understand what he's saying, but they don't like what they hear. So this morning, think of this sermon as a deal. If you're prepared to listen to what Jesus is saying, I'll try and do my best to make you understand what Jesus is saying. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to think. But if we really listen to Jesus, and we really understand what Jesus is saying, how you choose to respond is between you and the Holy Spirit. So, this morning, three times in this passage, Jesus gives massive hints about who he really is uh, to those that are prepared to listen. But so often, we are so focused on the rich young ruler in this passage and the things that he says and does that we actually miss the importance of what Jesus is saying to this person. So, let's start at the beginning. Let's go with the first hint that Jesus gives about how, who he really is. And it's that first hint is contained in the response that Jesus gives to the greeting that the rich young ruler gives. So, we're told in verse 18 that the rich young ruler comes up and he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Why do you call me good? Only God, no one is good except God alone. Do you see the hint? Many times, Jesus didn't bother hinting. Lorraine has also learned in, in, in our marriage that hints don't work with me. They just go, right? You've got to tell me, plain and outright. And sometimes Jesus was exactly the same. He didn't bother with hints. He just put it right out there about who he was. So earlier on in this gospel, um, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus spoke to a man and he said, your sins are forgiven, which absolutely outraged some of the people who were standing there. And their response was, who is this Jesus? No mere man can forgive sins, only God alone. And the problem was, they were effectively looking down a telescope the wrong way. Because the line of logic should have been, only God alone can forgive sins. Therefore, Jesus is no mere man. Who is this Jesus? Elsewhere uh, in another gospel, we're told that not only did Jesus upset and anger people, it says that he infuriated them so much that they wanted to kill him. And what had he done? It says that he was calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. These people knew the implication of Jesus calling God father because no upright, devout Jew would ever call God Father. And just as a wee aside, what's the first thing that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, points out the problem with calling someone who claims to be God good. I've always joked, I want to preach a sermon called, Was Jesus a Poached Egg? And this passage gives you the reason why, okay? 
It says, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. Jesus was a good teacher. We love his parables. We love his sayings. Love your enemy. You know, forgive your enemy. Do to others what they do to you. He would not be a great moral teacher. He would be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg. There's the sermon title. Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or a madman or something else. C.S. Lewis's argument is boiled down to the phrase mad, bad, or God. Because that's the only choices you have about Jesus. He went about not claiming just to be a good teacher or a prophet or something else. He claimed to be God. So therefore, that's your only three options. Either he's off his head, or he's trying to deceive. And there's been plenty of people who have used religion as a means of deceiving people. Or he was exactly what he said he was. And that is that he was God. So Stalin, think about this for a minute. A man comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do so that God will forgive me and give me eternal life? not actually realizing he is speaking to the very God who wants to give him eternal life and to, for, and to give him his forgiveness. So this morning, if you're listening to me, do you realize that God, by his Holy Spirit, is in this place right now? That God is in this building? That if you are watching me on, uh, uh, on the live stream or you're watching this, wherever you are watching this later on, do you realize that God is with you right now? That that God wants to give you the opportunity to receive eternal life right here and right now. So are you listening to Jesus this morning as he speaks to us right here and right now? The second hint comes in response to the, again to this question about what must I do to inherit eternal life. So Jesus tells them to keep the Ten Commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And the, the young man says that I've been doing this all my life. He's not boasting. At least I don't think he's boasting about what a good person he is. But what he is saying is I've been doing all these things but there's just this feeling that keeping a list of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations about you can do this, you can't do that, you can't go here, you can't do that, you can't speak to this person, you have to do this, you can't eat that, you can't wear this, all these things. There's just that feeling, I think, in the back of this man's head that there, there has to be something else, there has to be some other way of being accepted by God. And again, Sometimes we're so focused on the response of this young man that we miss this second hint about Jesus is. Because Jesus didn't just tell him to give up his wealth. Jesus told him to do three things. He said, yes, go and sell all that you have. Then he told him to give all that he had away to the poor. But here's the, the third one. Then he says, come and follow me. So here's Jesus saying, no, you're right. It's not enough to keep all the Old Testament rules and regulations. 
You've got to follow me. Jesus is saying, I'm more important than all these rules and regulations. And a lot of people are just like the, the rich young ruler today. It might not be money. Many of you are maybe in the same situation I am where God is taking care of that and you can't say you've got too much money. But how often do you hear people saying, I try to be a good person? That's just the same thing as saying, I've got a list of do's and don'ts that I live by. So I try to be a good neighbor. I don't kick my dog. I pay my taxes. I don't hit my wife. I don't get drunk. I don't swear much. You know, these are people's lists of do's and don'ts. And if I do these things, then maybe I'll be good enough to get into heaven. What's interesting is when Jesus says, you know the commandments, and he gives them a list of commandments, what's actually most interesting is it's the commandments he doesn't give to the rich young ruler. What he misses out is the first of the Ten Commandments, which says, it'll be up on the screen, you shall have no other gods before me. The first and the greatest of the commandments, Jesus said. And it's just like that as well. People, as I said, if it's not money that they're putting before God, it'll be something else. It might be their job. It might be their position, their reputation, their relationship, their comfortable lifestyle, you know, the house, the car, the foreign holiday twice a year. And not all of these things are bad in and of themselves. The problem is that when, and when I came to Destin, there was a fantastic phrase which Mark used, and Mark described an idol as a good thing that becomes a God thing. And that's the problem, is that we can have lots of good things in our life. Wealth itself isn't necessarily bad. Do you know one of the most frequently misquoted verses? Because everybody says oh, money is the, the root of all evil. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And yes, there are plenty of people from biblical times to today um, who have felt that God was killing them to give up wealth and power and position. But there have been plenty of Christians for whom they have taken the wealth and the power and the possessions that they have and they've used them for the kingdom. But we can have other things in our lives that we make our God or we make ourselves God. I had a, I had a wonderful description of someone once who said he was a self-made man who worshipped his creator. Think about that for a second. The problem is the things that we make our gods or we make ourselves as gods. What are the things that we actually, the first commandment that almost every human being on earth ever breaks is the first commandment that you shall have no other God before me. And we find something else or someone else that we make God instead of God himself. In verses 29 and 30, Jesus said that no one has left a house or wife or brothers or sisters, parents or children because of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more at this time and eternal life in the age to come. We spend so much time focusing 
on what we might need to give up in this brief life that we miss the opportunity to receive eternal life. And Jesus is saying to people, stop thinking about what you you might need to give up in order to put me first. Instead, think about all you will gain when you put me first. So, are you listening to Jesus this morning? That he is God and that he demands rightfully that we should give him the first place and the priority in our lives. So the third hint. As the rich young ruler goes away disappointed, Jesus makes a point about how hard it is for a rich person to be saved. And that's why he says that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So that I stay on track this morning. I'm not going to explain to you where did Jesus get this idea about trying to shove camels through needles. Embroidery in the Bible. Interesting concept. You can ask me about it over, over tea and coffee. It's a great story. But for just now, I'm just going to leave you pondering that this morning as you have this picture of a camel and a needle and the RSPCA chasing you for cruelty to animals, okay? But Jesus' response is that what is, those people then quite rightly say, well, who can be saved? And Jesus' response is that what is impossible with man is possible with God. You can't buy eternal life. This guy had plenty of money. If anybody could buy eternal life, he could. But the problem with that is, if you could buy eternal life, then only the rich could be saved. What about all the poor? You can't earn eternal life, which was the other problem this young man had, because if you could, how do you know you've done enough good things? And can you stop once you've done enough and go back to being bad and selfish? So Jesus says you can't save yourself, only God can save you. And because Jesus is God, that's why he says the only way to be saved is to follow him, is to listen to him and to do what he says, to trust him, to obey him, to listen to him and do what he says. Are you listening to Jesus this morning? Who says that he is God, who says that in order to inherit eternal life, you have to put him first, who says that only he can give you eternal life. I'm going to finish this morning by looking at what is the most important question in this passage. Who then can be saved? The answer this morning is anyone. Rich or poor, powerful, powerless, young or old, or anything else. So the Bible, for instance, says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him will have, will not perish, but have eternal life. Another verse in the Bible says, for everyone, not some, but everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And finally, a scripture I absolutely love. 
I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. One of the first times I quoted that verse to someone, I was speaking to a Jehovah's Witness. And they believe that only 144,000 people will go to heaven. Everybody else gets to stay here on the earth. Only the chosen few get to go to heaven. But the problem is they don't know who are the, the chosen few. And that's one of the reasons why Jehovah's Witnesses spend so much time knocking on people's doors because they're taught that, in, that unless they share the gospel, they're not really saved. So they're not, and I'm not saying this about all of them, they're not all necessarily doing it out of a sense of the love of the gospel and wanting to tell people about Jesus. They're doing it out of a sense of fear that if they don't do this, they won't inherit eternal life. God not only wants to give you eternal life this morning, God wants you to know that you have eternal life this morning. God wants you to be in the situation that you will never, ever have to go to him again and say, God, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? God wants you not only to receive his forgiveness, he wants you to know without a shadow of a doubt that you have that forgiveness, that you have this relationship with God that will, that will never, ever be broken. Because that's what eternal life is all about. God wants you to know that you can come to God, who is Jesus, and follow him, and he will do for you what you can't do for yourself. This is the grace that Mark spoke about last week. These two sermons are joined together and follow on from one another. God gives us what we don't deserve. TJ mentioned that this morning about the fact that the reality is we still sin. And yet God treats us as if we'd never sinned. We can't earn forgiveness. We can't buy forgiveness. We can't even pay God back for the forgiveness that he gives us. God offers his forgiveness. God offers us his eternal life freely as a gift to us at no cost to us, but at enormous cost to God himself. Grace is an amazing thing, but it's not a cheap thing. So this morning, have you been listening to Jesus? Have I made it plain to you this morning who Jesus is? He doesn't compromise. And he says, therefore, that the only way to be saved is to follow him, is to listen to him and do what he says, to put him first in our lives. So how are you going to respond this morning? Maybe that means that we, and I do mean we, need to look at our own lives and ask, well, and again, Mark mentioned it in his prayer, where are the areas in our life where we haven't put Jesus first? And ask God to help us to let those things go. He's not necessarily asking us to give up all that we have and give it to other people. But there may be habits, there may be attitudes that maybe that, that we need to look at and ask that God would change and transform us and make us more like Jesus. Maybe this morning 
um, you need to start by asking Jesus to come into your life and to receive that forgiveness and to begin that relationship and that walk this morning. And if you want to do that, then you can speak to Mark, you can speak to TJ, uh, you can speak to myself, you can speak to anybody in here this morning that you feel comfortable to, but don't be like the rich young ruler and just walk away and be untouched and unchanged. It might be difficult for you, but take the opportunity to speak to someone. If you're listening online this morning, you can contact the church by email, on Facebook, um, on um, WhatsApp, and in other ways. And again, somebody will be happy to speak to you and explain to you more about how you can ask Jesus to be first in your life and have that assurance of forgiveness. Those of us here this morning, we also have the opportunity to respond by coming to this table, the communion table, which Jesus himself said was a, a reminder of what he has done for us. And I always want to remind people, this table is open for anybody that knows Jesus. It's not just something special for church members of Denison Baptist. It's for anybody who has put Jesus first in their life. This table is an opportunity for you this morning to go and as you take this bread, to be able to say, Jesus, I am making you number one in my life. To take this cup and to, to recognize that you are saying, I can't be saved any other way. Jesus said, this is my body which is given for you. It's a gift. And as you take the bread, you're receiving that gift and giving thanks for it. As you take the cup, Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Covenant is the, the, the word that the Bible uses. It talks about a, a, a commitment, a contract, an agreement. The old covenant. The old way of doing things was all these, keeping these lists of do's and don'ts and all these other things. And if you, if you broke one commandment, that was it. You might as well just give up because you've broken them all. But the new covenant says, I know who Jesus is. I want to follow Jesus. I want to receive eternal life. And because it doesn't depend on me, but it depends on him, that eternal life can never be taken away. So this morning, you have that opportunity to respond to, you, to him this morning. Have I done my job this morning and made you understand who Jesus is? Have you been listening this morning to who Jesus is? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that to receive eternal life is on one hand so easy. It's simply to come, not with wealth, not with power, not with possessions, but to come with open hands and just receive what you've already done. But we also can't underplay the, the cost of that commitment to put you first, in our lives, in our thoughts, in our ambitions, in our desires, in our behavior. So we pray this morning that we will not simply call you a good teacher, but we will see you for who you really are, as God and as Savior, the only one who can save. And we thank you for that now, in Jesus' name, amen.